Well, hello there. Welcome to Journey Through the Epistles with Daniel Babalola. I am Daniel Babalola and I'm inviting you on a journey as we study the epistles in the Bible, book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. I believe that a solid understanding of what is contained in the epistles would serve as a strong foundation for all our Christian expression. And not just that, that when we take the words of the apostles and properly understand them in their context as they meant it to be understood, our entire Christian experience stands the chance of being so much more flourishing. So join me on this journey. Let's go. Dear Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you that we get the opportunity to study your word together as a family, as a people bound by your blood. Thank you for access to this word. Thank you that we have it preserved for these many years. We don't take it for granted. Thank you for the freedom of worship for the freedom we have on a morning or afternoon like this to gather together to study and to learn and lord i pray even by your spirit that as we go through the text of your word that you open our hearts to understand that you strengthen us once again to respond as we ought to and that we see our lives transformed evermore into your glorious image. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, 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 amen. So good morning again, good afternoon. Welcome to Journey Through 2 Corinthians part 21, I believe. <laughs> um, hi, Lillian, how are you? Good to see you. And even if you're like, ah, part 21, where do I start from? Um, don't worry, you can start from three weeks ago because we started a new um, theme on Christian generosity. The first two weeks was kind of laying a much needed foundation and groundwork. A lot more things could have been said, but I believe that's enough for what we have to cover in the next two chapters. Last week was pretty much 2 Corinthians 8 part 1. Um, we talked about different things, very important things about giving in general the idea of urgency the grace of god um joy willingness um the idea of christian christian growth as a multifaceted expression where you can grow in one area you can grow in another area and all of them should be very very important and we talked about quite a number of things i'm not going to go into that again so if you're just starting here, I really, really would advise that after this teaching, um, for those here presently or after this teaching, for those listening, you take our time and listen to the previous three. Um, there's there's a Bible teacher I love so much, um, Pastor Mike Winger, and he released a new episode on his podcast slash teaching. So he teaches on YouTube and then translates it to podcast. And it was an 11 our teaching and all of a sudden i remind i was reminded that i'm in good company <laughs> but i have a long way to go i was so happy when i just I was like oh my god where do you start from 
um, from the beginning. <laughs> that's, so that's my new project for the next two weeks. Finishing his 11-hour podcast. Episode. Uh, yeah, it, it's all good. It's I got discouraged. <laughs> it is well. It's to take it. Usually I listen to podcasts while I'm working out. So it's like, okay, one hour, one hour, one hour, one hour. So in a week I could get like five hours done and then I'll do it the next week. So it'll take me two to three weeks and then we'll finish. Um, that's that's the way I found <laughs> that helps. All that to say, the word of God is beautiful. There's a lot to learn. Of course, I'm not saying go and listen to an 11-hour podcast if you've never done that, but there's a lot to learn. And even as we go through, so we're in part 21. If I was teaching Second Corinthians in one sitting, well, I don't think I could. But if I was, that's already almost 30 hours of teaching. So all that to say, invest yourself in the word of God. It's beautiful. It's worth it. Don't settle for just a surface level. Oh, I read my Bible today and that's it. Do you understand the same question Philip asked the Ethiopian eunuch? Do you understand what you are reading? Have you meditated? Have you studied? Have you applied it to your life? So there's a lot. And uh, God will just help us <laughs> on this journey. Amen. 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 Uh, all right. Another quick question for those that were here last week. Let me just, just to help everyone be on the same page. What were some of the things that I guess stood out to you the most from last week's teaching? I could take like two, three, you can unmute yourself, put in the chat, but anything in particular that you're like, hmm, I had to think about this a bit more or hmm, I had to change this. I think that would be awesome. Any, anyone? All right, anyone, anyone, anyone. I will be like our primary school teachers and eventually start to call names. <laughs> Hi, Angel, please go ahead. Um, I think from the examples you gave, I was just really struck by the level of intimacy required to even demonstrate generosity in that way. Like you mm -hmm. would need to actually know what people are going through and you would need to actually ask and build that that yeah. um depth of relationship yeah. and so that that was something i was re reflecting on awesome awesome thank you yes there's there's a great level of vulnerability accountability required with um christian generosity uh oh Anne said okay this is more a practical point but very valid partitioning your giving being intentional about giving to people um, giving to friends, giving to family, giving to ministers of the gospel, giving to, yeah, being very intentional about that. I love that. Thank you, Anne. Um, Buki, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I think mine was just the whole desire into action. Um, is like, see, um, desire into action. So talking about how we have desire, Lord, I want to know you more. Lord, mm -hmm. I want to do all of this, but it has to translate to action. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't, it just ends here. Cause I, it just made me think about me. I know that I've done a lot of daddy. I want to do this more. Mm -hmm. 
and then afterwards you continue like until the next daddy until the next time we cry (laughs) shit yes and then you move on so yeah that was that was it for me yes i I think that's uh, thank you for sharing that bookie that's a big one that was a verse um 11 10 and 11 that it's desire is a good thing god honors desire but it should translate to action many times all we do is desire to grow desire to study our bibles desire to pray um but the growth happens when you actually do it the the reward um happens when it is completed so very very valid points thank you thank you everyone um i'm glad there were points that stood out uh so that said if you haven't already turn your bibles turn your writing and get your writing materials to second corinthians 8 verse 13 um what is ai companion (laughs) anyways uh gen z bookie what have you done (laughs) it is well um okay sorry give me a second my screen got out of whack let's set that up again all right all right all right okay said it helps it summarizes the teaching oh really that's good okay maybe i'll test it out next time and see how it works but uh (laughs) okay back on track second corinthians 8 verse 13 as usual i'm reading from the new king james bring out your writing materials your notepads and let's read together so verse 13 let's go it says i don't mean that others should be eased and you should be burdened if you were here last week we're still talking about that same idea that paul is saying give according to what you have and this is a loving pastor he's saying i don't want you guys to give to the point where as we've gathered money for jerusalem we now need to also gather for you guys give to the point look at your finances look at what you can give and give within that amount and i talked a bit about that last week that there are cases where god calls us to even greater expressions of sacrificial giving but as a principle especially as a body with people in different faiths and different levels in their faith people are stronger people are weaker people trust god differently people are in different financial situations what is most practical what is most loving is to encourage the body to give as they can if in your personal work with god you're challenged to give even more just like the Macedonians, the Macedonians didn't even have anything and they gave out of that poverty all well and good god honors that but as a matter of principle i wouldn't expect Anne to give me her rent for next month in the name of oh i want to help the people in the church that don't have money and i'm like okay so where are you going to sleep i said oh god will provide if god was the one that stirred up in that kind of radical faith sure but as a matter of principle i'll be very careful before i collect that money <laughs> because it is more than um more than due considering what you need right you need to have a place to sleep um so we talked about that and then we're going to start from verse 14 it says it is rather an in sorry an equality right that now at this time 
your abundance may supply their lack. Their abundance may supply your lack. That there may be equality. That there may be equality. Very common sense principle, but in practice, we sometimes miss this. Why? First of all, because we are almost always only thinking about money. I'll read that verse again. Paul says that there may be an equality, that at this time, your abundance may supply their lack. Their abundance may supply your lack, that there may be equality. So for starters, in the immediate context, Paul is talking about material generosity. And this is God's idea that what? They need, you have, give to them. There will come a time, probably, when you need, and they will be able to give to you. And some very important points we can draw from just this verse. The first one is, in the words of our, our forefathers, <laughs> no condition is permanent, <laughs> right? Life changes. Life changes. Many of you know people or personally, there have been times in your life where probably you didn't have as much as you wish you did. And now you have a bit more. Some of you are like, I've not reached that point, sir. I didn't have more. Much that I, even till now, I'm still trusting God. God will intervene. There are other times you know of, you probably know of stories, people that, let's say, were born into wealth. God forbid something tragic happened. Maybe the dad, he was the person that provided for the family. He died. And all of a sudden, that family, everything changed. That's life. There are times where, let's say you were once a student. Now you are working. As a student, you know the life you had. You know that whenever they say, oh, come, we're going out for dinner. You say, where? Your where is not, you say, oh, I just want to know so that I can plan accordingly. It's not distance you are planning. It's money you are planning. <laughs> right? Um, they will say, oh, no, we can't go. You know, they're, they are students. They are students. Um, <laughs> you know that life. And then you started working. I'm like, oh, I have more money now. Right? Life is in phases. Life is in phases. There are people that had much then and don't have now. There are people that had little then and have much now. There are people that have gone through those phases repeatedly. And God's idea, again, remember we're talking about God's idea for generosity and provision, especially within a Christian community, especially within a Christian community. And this was something we spent a lot of time in part one. God's idea for generosity and provision is not, is not that everyone will always like, oh, everyone just makes money. Everyone says because of the world we live in. There will be needs among you. How does God intend to meet those needs? Those that have are able to help those that don't have. And there will come a time that those that have might need. Those that don't have or didn't have would have and the needs will always be met. And so if things are done God's way, everyone within the Christian community will be helped by God. But how will that be? Through the generosity of others. Through the generosity of others. And Paul is trying to let them know that this is how you should view your resources. That the reason you have more than you need is to help those that don't have. 
is to help those that don't have. So that's the first thing we can draw. But then this starts to become even more important when you start to look beyond money. Because at the end of the day, a heart of generosity is not really about, oh, I give tithes or I give offering every Sunday. A heart of generosity stems from recognizing God's abundance. And we're going to get to that. We talked about it in week, in our second teaching, I believe, when we looked at Deuteronomy, right? Recognizing that God is your source, not your bank account, not the limited resources you have. God is your source. And if truly God is your source, then you can trust him enough to share what you have. And that becomes very important when you start to take it past money. So, for instance, when you realize that even in a Christian community, there'll be people that need, let's say what now, moral support because they are in a low place in life. You have the ability, you are, you, things are going well, right? Everybody's happy with you. You are crushing all your goals and life is good. At those points, God is calling you to Ephesians 6, to do what? To bear with those people. To bear with the weak. You have a friend, you have a brother, you, you know someone in your community struggling. Come alongside them emotionally because there would come a time where you would be emotionally bankrupt and you need the community to come alongside you as well. The same thing can be said of pain, Right? Someone needs help with something. Maybe understanding the Bible verse. Maybe even something non-spiritual, right, in their lives. Maybe they are, they are, they are preparing for something. Maybe they, they have questions. Let's say they want to travel um, outside the country. They have questions. Be of help. Learn to see your life as you are a steward of God's resources. Not just money, but time, emotional maturity, or strength right? Information. And so don't just live a life where you're just trying to get yourself ahead. You're just doing things for yourself. The same way with money, you're like, oh, who can I help? Think about that about your time. Think about that about strength, spiritual strength. You're doing well in devotion. You're, you're growing in God. And then there are people around you. Check up on your friends. How is your devotional life? How can I come alongside you? That what? That they may be equality. That those who have in abundance at this present time can help those who don't. And the reverse is also the case. And so this mindset of, and that's why, like I said at the start of this first teaching, it's going to take a while before we get into what some people, what some of you probably think that, oh, we're talking about Christian generosity. This is all we're going to be talking about. Because it is, it is first a thing of perspective, a thing of the heart. How do you view the resources God has placed in your hands? How do you view your life? How do you view your time, your money, your wisdom, right? Your strength, the things that you're strong in. How can you, how can you share with those that don't have? With those that don't have. And then he goes on to then say in verse 15, as it is written, he who gathered much had nothing left over. He who gathered little had no lack. 
Now we're going to go, this is a direct quote from Exodus 16, verse 18. Very beautiful passage. We're going to go there and just quickly take a look at it. But just from this verse alone, he's saying, those that had a lot had nothing left over. Those that didn't have enough, they found out that they had no lack. Why? Because everyone shared. Because everyone shared. And so Paul is teaching these Corinthians that at this current time, you have more than you need. You can give to the Jerusalem church. Even going back to the last verse, that's even the idea of being generous to your, to your pastors. He says that if we communicate spiritual things, doesn't it make sense that we receive um, physically for those that, let's say, full-time pastors or something? Because they are supplying a need that you have. It makes sense that you also supply a need that they have. So it's not always just money. It's not always just money. And so Paul is saying that, that you have surplus for a reason. You have you Corinthians, you're rich, you're doing well, everything is fine. It is for a reason. It is so that you recognize that this world is not balanced. Not the church, not the world. Like we read in Deuteronomy 15, it says you would always have the poor among you. Financially, emotionally, spiritually, there would always be people that need help. Sometimes you will be part of that poor <laughs> in certain areas. How does God intend to meet the needs of his children? Through the generosity of his children. Because to the body, God gives enough. To humanity, God gave enough. The reason there is scarcity and lack is not because God hasn't given it's because human nature has abused what God has given. And so in this example, for instance, it says, he who gathered much had nothing left. He who gathered little had also did not need. Why? Because everyone shared. And I, I talked about this last week briefly when we were trying to close through these verses, that this is, this is that perspective you should have even in the idea of privilege, right? We, we talk a lot about that, oh, Privilege, oh, this privilege, that privilege, this privilege, that privilege, all to emphasize that the world we live in is not balanced. And it's true, right? I think you would be very dishonest to say that there aren't privileges in this world, right? That let's say a person born, <laughs> say if you could if you could choose again, <laughs> let's say for those that were born in Nigeria, say, oh, God comes and asks you, say, if you could do it again. Where should I, what country should I say, God, I have just one request. Anywhere but Nigeria. <laughs> I will take it, which is not true because it could get a lot worse. We're like, ah, oh, God, let me be born in Qatar. <laughs> At least that way I know the odds of being born to an oil mogul are higher. All right? You say, oh, if you could do it all over again, if you could choose, we'll choose a certain family, a certain country, a certain this, a certain that. Why? Because we're trying to make up for privilege. For privilege. For privilege. And the world treats privilege in very interesting ways. For some, it is that you see someone who is privileged and then you're jealous. Or you start to belittle them because you assume that the sum total of their life is just privilege. There are some who have privilege. And they carry themselves in a way like, you probably don't even know 
what you have. There are some who try to do everything in their power to deny, refuse the privileges that they've received just to make it so that, oh, my own hands have brought this. I remember I was meditating on that verse of scripture. I think we're talking about it, right? In how God doesn't like boasting. And just that idea that anything I try to do just so I feel like I'm the one, I should check it. Many times, it's human nature. It's not from God. It's like, oh, it's not privilege, it's not privilege. It's me, it's me. I'm like, okay, okay. The truth is, as I'm talking to you all, for those listening on the podcast, we all have experienced some level of varying degrees, rather, privilege. Of privilege. Whether it's that you were born into it, just the fact that you were born into a stable home. Let's say mommy and daddy were there. You have no idea what that has done for you. Emotionally, just psychologically growing up as a child to prepare you for the real world. Many times we, we as humans, we try to minimize the privileges that we've been exposed to. You had people that could pay your school fees. You don't know that you didn't have to work <laughs> to support mommy and daddy. You don't know how big of a privilege that is. For some of us, in fact, for many of us, one of the biggest things we take for granted is our health. The fact that you know, fairly confident. You know, we say that, oh, by God's grace, tomorrow. But in your heart, you just know, yeah, if I sleep, I'll wake up. I'm fine. I can still bend down. I can still do this. I can still do that. Go talk to people that find out that, let's say they have a terminal illness in their 20s. Maybe to change the way you think about health. Even that is a gift. Even that is a gift. Or that your mind is still intact. It's a gift. It's a gift. And so, when it comes to this topic of even Oh, understanding privilege. There's a lot to say. But I think the very first step for everybody listening to me, because for some of you, you might say, oh, I didn't grow up with both my parents. Oh, I had to struggle to get through school financially. Oh, this, that. But the very first step I would, I would really encourage is take time to reflect and recognize the privileges that you do have. It's, it's, it's always easy to see the things that you didn't have. You're not born into a wealthy home. You don't have a trust. You're not a trust fund baby. Me too. I, me, I wish I was trust fund baby. If I was, I would not be here. Oh no, I'll be here, but I won't be working. <laughs> I'll be here teaching the gospel. So I would not be working. All right. Oh, why? Let's say you 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 came to the U.S. You're trying to get a visa. Oh, I wish I just wish I was a citizen. Of course, it would be better probably, as far as many things are concerned. But it's always easy to focus on what you wish you had. Oh, I wish I had this. I wish I did this. I wish I had this scholarship. I wish I had this money. I wish I had this job. I wish I wish I wish. Take time, and think about the things that you do have. Many times we, we, we talk about how, um, yes, the suffering of others is not the reason we are thanking God. Very true. 
but I think it's not complete. And I think it's fairly, fairly, fairly to a certain point inaccurate because the only reason you know what health looks like is because you also know, either by experience or by observation, what sickness looks like. That's what Romans 9 says, that when you see the contrast between those that are under God's grace and those that aren't, it helps you appreciate God's grace more. So it's fairly biblical, not in a state of mocking, not in it, but there is that recognition that, oh, I can see the things that are actually good or God's grace in my life. First of all, the fact that you are still alive. The fact that you're able to join a teaching, you love God and you're able to worship God in a place where you're not being persecuted. It's a privilege. The fact that you can, you can speak, your mind is, is you, you can think and you can speak. It is a privilege. Oh, I wish I had, I went to this school. I wish this, that. I wish I didn't have to work so hard to pay um, for my school fees. But you are in school. It's a privilege. It's a privilege. Oh, um, I wish I was born in another country, this and that. But you have a family. It's a privilege. Recognize those privileges. Recognize them. That's the mindset Paul had. He's in prison. He's locked up. And he's able to say, oh, because of this, the prisoners are able to hear the gospel. That's, that's perspective. That's perspective. Oh, because of this, I'm able to write all these letters. Oh, what a privilege. What a privilege. Start to catch yourself whenever you find yourself complaining, focusing on the privileges you don't have. We're going to go to Exodus 16 and look to what you already have that you didn't work for, by the way. That you didn't work for. So if you were born into a wealthy home, don't be forming. Say, oh, and sometimes I mean friends can be and they say, ah, but I say, no, 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 me too. I suffered like you guys. You didn't suffer like them. Don't lie. Don't lie. You didn't have to, you didn't have to do the things they did. Don't lie. Don't lie. <laughs> they oh, me too. I struggle. Me too. I struggle. I said, Daddy, I'm not taking anything from you. So that me too, I will struggle. <laughs> say that to God. Now, God, no. You can't save me. That's what Peter tried to do. He said, I would nev never, you will never wash my feet. Never. Some of us are like that. Like, oh, let us help you. He said, no, no, I'm fine. Just because you want that gratification that comes from saying, I did it all on my own. It's pride. It's pride. Recognize the privileges you've received. The second thing is, that's the second point. Receive it. That's what I'm just talking. Be grateful for it. Be grateful for it. Be grateful for it. The third thing is, don't forget that it is a privilege. Meaning you didn't you didn't work for it. You didn't work for it. You say, oh, pretty privilege. Ah, you're so beautiful everywhere you go. Oh, you're so tall and handsome everywhere you go. You don't really have to deny it. Just be grateful. 
Just say, God, thank you for genetic combination. <laughs> I'm a humble recipient. All right? But then be humble about it. Don't ever think that it's by your own hand. It's by your own efforts. Don't rub it in people's faces. And then the final thing is what we've just read. Use your privilege. Use your experiences. Use the benefits life has given you to lift others up. Oh, you were born into a wealthy home. Because of that, you could attend a certain kind of school, get a certain kind of job or a certain career, a certain business. All well and good. Use that to help people who don't have that privilege. Who don't have that privilege. And if you're someone who finds out, finds yourself in a position where it's like, oh, I don't have so many privileges. That's fine. Don't, don't, don't be jealous. Don't be like Cain. Say, ah, what did Abel do differently that made his accepted? And God said, be careful. Sin is crouching at your heart. Many times, you, you, you see a lot of stories of how people that translated, it can go one of two ways, that went from, let's say, poverty to wealth. They either come with a, I will show you all, mental. you will know that I was poor before, and now things have changed. I will rub it in your faces. Don't be like that. Oh, then, Shabi, you, 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 you are just trying to prove a point. Trying to prove a point. It's not necessary. It's not necessary. At the other hand, don't, don't let it, don't let the lack of privilege be a crutch that everything wrong, you not say, oh, but you know, but you know, you can work on yourself. Oh, why do you always have anger issues? Oh, you know, my parents fought a lot growing up. So you know you have anger issues. You know it's probably because you saw violence, but you're not working on it. That's wrong. That's wrong. Oh, uh, why, why, why are you, why are you always so, um, I don't know, quick to this? this you, you can't receive. Oh, you know, I didn't grow up. Uh, you, I, I get the excuse is true. But it's not, it's not a reason to continue in that. Oh, you know, if, if, if only I was born in, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe not. So the same way you recognize what privilege has brought into your life, recognize what lack of privilege has brought. Don't allow for jealousy, but don't also use it as an excuse for things that are now within your control. You have behavioral issues. You can get better. There are certain financial gaps you have to climb. You can work hard. You can work hard. All right? That's a bigger side, but it's very important that we bear that in mind. Be grateful for the life you've been handed. And with God, simply ask, how can I make the most of this life I have? Forget what could be. Forget what it has gone. It will not be. You will not not, you will not, not be Nigerian. You will not not have had the upbringing you had. You will not not have had the parents you have. It's gone. The secondary school you went to, the exposures you had positive on it, it's gone. The best you can do is learn from it. And with God, 
build on it. This is for someone. I, I know the reason I'm emphasizing all of this. I don't know who it's for, but there's someone that needs to hear that. Look back at your life. Reflect. Be grateful. Recognize the limitations. Recognize the impact. That's, that's all you can do. With God, build on it. Build on it. Not to prove a point to anybody. Not to show them. There's no them that needs to be shown anything. <laughs> Please. Amen. Amen. All right. So on that note, let's go to Exodus 16. Let's let's see what um the same way we looked at Deuteronomy 15 as a template for Christian generosity. This is another instance of where how God was organizing Israel gives us a lot of insights into how God expects the church by his spirit to function. So Exodus 13, sorry, Exodus 16. The, let's start from verse 12. So this is the story of manna. And it says, I've heard the complaints of the children of Israel. Speak to them, saying, at twilight you eat meat. In the morning you shall be filled with bread. What a life. Bread and, and meat. It's now poetry. Every day <laughs> I could have done it. <laughs> it says, and you will know that I am the Lord your God. Free bread. That's a gift from God. <laughs> it says, so it was that quails came up at evening, covered the camp. And in the morning, the dew laid all around the camp. And when the day, layer of dew lifted, there was on the surface of wilderness a small round substance, fine as frost on the ground. When the children of Israel said, saw this, they said to one another, what is it? That's literally what manna means. What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, this is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Let every man gather it according to to each one's need. Do you see that? We give according to need. But he also said, let them gather according to need. We're going to talk about that. One omer for each person, according to the number of persons, let every man take for those who are in his tent. And so there was that expectation. So verse 17, then the children of Israel did so and gathered, some more, some less. Meaning if you have five people in your house, right? Your wife and and three children, five, five house, you gather five women. If it's just you and your wife, two women. If you're a single, single guy, you get one woman. Right? That's all you should do for that day. It says, when they measured it by omens, verse 18, he who gathered much had nothing left over. That's where the quote comes from. He who gathered little had no lack. Every man had gathered according to each one's need. And Moses said, let no one leave any of it till morning. Notwithstanding, they did not heed Moses. So there was a rule for gathering. There was also a rule for preservation. We're going to talk about that, but just keep reading. They did not heed Moses, but some of them left part of it till morning, right? And it bred worms and it stank literally overnight. That was supernatural. And Moses was angry with them. So they gathered it every morning, every man according to his need. And when the sun became hot, it melted. And so it was on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omas for each one. And all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses and said to them, this is what the Lord has said, tomorrow is the Sabbath, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you bake today, boil what you boil, lay up for yourself all that remains. 
to be kept till morning. So they laid it up as Moses commanded, and it did not stink, nor were there any worms in it. Then Moses said, eat that today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you will gather. On the seventh, there will be none. Maybe before you've read this story or you've watched it on a super book, right? Or uh, what's that other cartoon? And you just, oh, bread falling from the sky and they pick and they eat. And so that's it, right? God was able to sustain Israel through the wilderness. I tell you not, this is, I kid you not rather, this is one of the most beautiful passages on Christian generosity or what it means to live because the idea of Christian generosity, really, I can rephrase it as living in God's abundance. This is, and we're going to we're going to take a look at that. It's more than just, oh, bread fell, they didn't have food, they picked and they ate. Which is why Paul is able to use this passage. Many times in, in Jewish traditions, in rabbinic traditions, whenever they quote, let's say, a verse or something, by implication, they're asking you to cast your mind to the entire narrative. Because in there, are lessons that are tied to what Paul is, or what the quote is from, or is referring to. And so, when Paul quotes from Exodus 16, he's not just quoting verse 18. He's reflect. This is someone who was born and raised, reading this every day of his life. He's saying that if you understand this story, there's a lot he can teach you about abundance, about generosity, and about God meeting the needs of his people. So let's Let's take a look at some of them. Are we ready? All right. Let's, I believe we are. I believe we are. The first thing that we can draw from this is that, yes, they had to gather the bread. If you didn't go out, there will be no food for you. But where did the bread come from? God. The very first point so important is that a heart of generosity comes from recognizing that God is ultimately your source. Before your efforts, before the bread, before the, the, the resources that are there for your taking, God is first and foremost your source. Yes, he does that through different ways. He could do that through what is this? <laughs> He could do it through um, birds flying in. He could do it through your parents. He could do it through your friends. He could do it through your job. But they are not the source. The ground was not the source of the manna, even though they picked it. The sky was not the source of the manna, even though it fell from the sky. This is what God said, that man shall not live by bread, but by every word comes out from the, from the mouth of God. Living in a way that you recognize that God is your source. And what does that mean? It means that even if the, breads, the birds stop coming, even if manna does not fall, like we see on day seven, God is still able to meet your needs. That's what it means to live knowing God is your source. That you recognize that even if you get laid off, even if, God forbid, your parents aren't able to pay your school fees, even if whatever setback life throws at you, 
you recognize that God is your source. In the Lord's Prayer, that's why Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread. It was a very popular prayer that the Jews have been praying for years. It's that understanding that, yes, I'm going to work. Yes, I'm doing this. Yes, I'm doing that. But at the end of the day, where does my daily bread come from? Where does my sustenance come from? From God. In times of lack, it's very easy, right? Have there been times you look at your account and you say, God is the only one <laughs> that can provide. You look at your life situation and you just know that it's not your efforts that are going to carry you to the next few months. You just know that God is the one that has to pull through. Sometimes it's harder to see that in times of plenty. In times of plenty. But this mindset that God is building in them is that God is your source. Do you recognize that? The source of that job, the source of that, um, of the generosity of your friends, the source of whatever, whatever, whatever opportunity that you, you're, you're currently living under, God is the source. And so it means that the manna must never be greater in your heart than God. Because that's what happened. At a point, he said, oh, leave nothing over. He said, ah. They started to not trust in God's abundance and look to their own scarcity, look to their own needs, and they started to gather. Started to say, ah, no. They disobeyed God. Why? Because they forgot he was the source. They were trying to gather for themselves. They were trying to preserve themselves. Yeah, but what if, what if it doesn't fall? Because think about it. Why would you keep overnight when it falls every day? The only reason they did that is either two things. Number one, laziness. Or number two, lack of faith. You don't believe it will be there tomorrow. And so it changes the way you live today. And that is what has broken all of you. We don't believe in God's generosity enough. We don't believe that manna will be there waiting tomorrow. And so we're not as kind. We're not as generous. Again, in all of this, please don't just think about money. In your time, in your life ambitions, in, your, in, in being there for people emotionally, spiritually, any other way, if you believe in God's abundance, it will change how you see it. All of a sudden, it's not a scarce thing that you need to keep. It is something that God provides so that you can share. Am I making sense? I hope I am. Thumbs up if I am. All right? Because think about it. If you were living in Israel, why would you, when Moses said, don't keep for tomorrow, but you go ahead and still pack? It's because you don't want to go out and work. Or you don't be, somewhere in your mind, you're like, ah, what if this thing doesn't come? That's how we'll, we'll be hungry. You don't trust God. It's not just a story of, uh, man, no. It's a teaching on living in the, in, in the generosity of God. That's the first point. Recognizing God is source. And so by implication, the giver must remain greater than the gift. Don't let the fear of lack, the fear of, of, of scarcity, cause you to prioritize the gifts over the giver. Don't. Amen? Amen. Very important. Let's go on. The next thing is 
So we just said, this is bread that the Lord has given you to eat. God is the source. The next thing he says, let every man gather according to his needs. I'll be honest with you. This is one of the hardest, especially when I think about practical living. This is one of the hardest concepts for me as a believer. It's the idea of contentment. 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 Because these people are going out every day to work, to gather, get their baskets, put food, which at the end of the day is what we go to our nine to five for, is to gather, to get money so that we can have food in our tables, so that we can do things, so that we can be sustained. But then God is saying, gather as much as you and your family need. The same prayer again, give us each day our daily bread. In, in other translations, it says the bread we need for today. In 1 Timothy 6 verse 18, 1 Timothy 6 verse 18, it says, let's start from, uh, ooh, I think I, I got the wrong verse. But it was in Timothy. I believe it's 1 Timothy. It says, as long as we, yes, 1 Timothy 6 verse 8, <laughs> right? Um, it says from verse 6, godliness with contentment is great gain. We brought nothing into this world and it is certain we'll take nothing out. It says, if we have food and clothing, with this, we shall be content. Those who desire to be rich, I've explained that before. This is not saying, oh, uh, but I, I want to do well for myself financially. Does that mean, we'll, get, we'll talk about it again in today's teaching. It says, those who desire to be rich, they fall into a temptation and a snare. Those who are willing to sacrifice anything for manna, for bread. It's funny how even we say that now, let's go chase that bread. Right? And we're talking about money. So you can see, it's, it's not me. It's in the Bible. It's not even a slang. It's, they got it from the Bible. <laughs> Let's go get that bread. Those that are willing to do anything for bread, including gathering, gathering, at the, at the, at the disobedience of God's instruction, says they would always fall into temptation. Yes, you would have your bread, but you would look at it and realize it's rotten. It can't do anything for you. It says they've, they've, they've run into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and petition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. It's a verse that always, whenever I read it, 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 it causes a heart check that God Search my heart. Am I living my life gathering more manner than you've asked me to? Am I living a life, and it's the same mentality, where I want to be known as the one who has baskets and baskets of manner? Where it's not about me, it's about your provision. It says gather that you need. Okay, so you, ha you have a larger family. Gather more bread. You don't have a large family. You don't need to gather as much bread. And so while the Bible is very, very clear on instructions about laziness, don't be lazy. Work hard. Work hard. Find something to do. And Paul said, he that does not work, he must not eat. 
that manner that you didn't go out you nobody will give you <laughs> you will starve but at the same time the bible constantly 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 cautions us about an unchecked desire for wealth sometimes just because you can doesn't always mean you should because you can gather more does not mean you should and the, the idea of content some of you might be thinking oh, does that mean i should not have savings <laughs> in my in my account what about my six months emergency fund is that what you're saying no of course not all literally just said in first with those who are rich there will be those that have more than they need not because they violated god's principle so this is a thing of the heart that what are you willing to do for bread because at the end of the day contentment will save you from missing out of, on, on god's will it's hard it's really hard to be content i'll be honest with you especially when just like the israelites the bread is literally just there like you can take as much as you want but god is saying only take as much as you need it can be hard but check your heart check your ambitions what are you living for is manna is bread the sum total of your life or are you doing just enough to take care of yourself and no let me rephrase that before you say ah does that mean i should not no again going back to israel right is bread the sum total of your life or are you fine trusting in god's provision for you and your family for you and your loved ones and so of course work hard right live a life of purpose find stuff you love doing do your nine to fives if it pays you ridiculously thank god for that that too is a privilege you start a business you become a multi-millionaire overnight that too you don't go and say oh i'm going to say ah only gather as much as you need my family we only need 100k here i'm going to sell off my business no 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 please don't in the will of God, if you find yourself in positions of surplus, recognize that privilege and use it to bless lives. There would always, as the same way, there would be always be poor among you. They'll be rich among you. They'll be wealthy among you. Not necessarily because they are smarter or because it's just in the goodness of God. But again, the same way God gives gifts to men spiritually, he gives gifts to men even financially. There would always be those in the church that would have way more than they need. And Ananias and Sephira would have been one of them, but they tried to cheat God. All right? And so if you find yourself in that position that in, in a genuine heart of contentment and in pursuing God's plan for your life, you find yourself in a position where you have more than you need. All well and good. But what did Paul say? Realize that you have that resource to be a blessing. To be a blessing. To be a blessing. To be a blessing. I hope that makes sense. He goes on to then say, we've talked about let no one leave any of it till morning and then they disobeyed and they realized that the manna had rot. And that's what a lot of people find out. After they have compromised the will of God in, in the pursuit of abundance, it almost always turns to, pretty much always turns to rot. 
you would realize that I should have just listened to God. I should have just trusted him. All right? And then he goes on. He says, on the sixth day, gather twice as much because there is a seventh day that I don't want you to work. I want you to rest. I want you to spend time because what do you think they did? Sabbath, what do you think they did with in the Sabbath? I was listening to um, someone who lived in in Israel for a while, and he talked about it. How during the Sabbath, what you spend time with your family, you just eat, pretty much what a weekend is supposed to be, right? No work, no work, and in that time, what are you meant to do? Cast your mind. It gives your mind an opportunity to remember that oh, I didn't work today, but there's still there's still manna for me. Do you see that? On another day, if you had gathered, it would have turned to rot. It would have rot. There'll be worms to be stinking. But on the Sabbath, you gathered and it's fine. So supernatural. And what was God? He was teaching them. Remember, the whole point of all of this is that God was teaching people. All these stories, all these experiences, God was training them. What is God trying to do with this? That all of a sudden the instructions change on the Sabbath. I'm able to get twice as much as I need. And it's fine. Again, it's to remind them that today oh, I'm not going out to, to get bread. There's bread for me. Oh, God is really my source. And so that time I'm able to spend in gratitude to God, in community and in fellowship. And so for, for, for the people of Israel, this idea of the Sabbath, was so important that it was part of the Ten Commandments. And a lot of times we were like, oh, what was, how can don't make idols be on the same list with don't go out on Saturday? <laughs> I don't get it. It's because we've not truly understood the idea of Sabbath. Yes, there's the Christocentric or the, 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 the grander idea of the rest of God in Christ that we talked about in Hebrews 5. But then there was that practical sense that as a society, this is so important that it's on the same list with don't kill. Don't commit adultery. He says, don't go out on Saturday. <laughs> but when he says, keep the Sabbath, make it and keep it and keep it holy. What is, what is, what is, what is so important about this rest, this idea of rest to God? Here it is. It's because it's in, it is in that time you are able to reassess your life, reassess your priorities, remind yourself of the things that are actually important. Remind yourself that your life does not run on your efforts. It doesn't run on your skill. It doesn't run on your intelligence. It runs by the grace of God. It's a time to prioritize worship, family. Not only that, it was said to be rhythmic. What do I mean? It's every seventh day. Because God knows that humans are flawed. And if I don't make it a structural thing, almost every time, it's, what would happen is you say, oh, remember to, that whenever you're feeling stressed, take Sabbath. <laughs> Israel will never have a Sabbath. But God says every seventh day. The same thing with the feast. Every Passover. Every new moon, 
every seventh year, every seventh of seventh years, every 49 years, to set some form of rhythm. That I know you all are flawed. I know that the way I've seen you people, you will just be gathering manna every day. He says, no. Take out time for your own life. Where does this come in? You are not an Israelite. 4,000 years ago in the wilderness, you came bread into your basket. But as a 21st century Christian, going out every day, working hard for your needs, for your family, it is good. But God says, routinely take out time to remind yourself that God is source. That ultimately, anything out of an ambition of greed will lead to rot. To remind yourself that, oh, perhaps my life is more than just gathering bread every day. And so in your own life, set those same routines. Those rhythms, oh, I would pray every day at this time. Why? I would start my day in prayer to remind myself that as I'm going out, I'm not just going to gather bread. There's more to my life than bread. There's more to my life than bread. Every month, I will do this. Every Sunday, I will be with God's people. Every year, at the celebration, I will do this. I would have rhythms in my life that would remind me, that would somehow recalibrate me. That's what God is pointing at. And that's why it was so important because think about it. The moment they disregard that rule, it's like, it's like a domino effect. Everything else will suffer. The moment is as simple as this. The moment you stop keeping the Sabbath, you would end up finding yourself in this endless cycle of gathering and gathering and gathering. Eventually, gathering becomes more important than God. You're already broken. Thou shalt not have any idol. The moment that happens, you can do anything. You won't love your 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 spouse. Why? Because you're gathering bread. <laughs> you won't. Do you see? The moment God is not first, everything else you can't bear the name of the Lord as you should, because now you are bearing the image of bread. <laughs> You've broken yet another command, and then it cycles and cycles, and then Israel becomes a society built on bread. They become a bread empire, forgetting that God provided. Forgetting that their lives are more than bread. And that's the world we live in today. We live in a world where the pursuit of money has eclipsed almost everything. Which almost everything else. Everything else. Everything else. And God is saying, don't, don't live like that. He says, six days, I will allow you to go and gather bread. On the seventh, on the seventh, you must recalibrate. You must. And that does not mean, oh, now, it's a, it's a Sunday. Ah, we're going out to eat. Say, I ah, know. It is Sabbath. It means that in your own personal life, where are those routines that remind you of what matters? Be intentional about it. Especially as a community. Find those routines. There's a reason churches have end-of-year, mid-year programs, end-of-year programs. It is, it is Sabbath. It's for this same reason. It's the same reason Israel had feasts. It's to recalibrate. To recalibrate. 
Amen. And so you look at this story of Exodus 16, and this is all the things that Paul is pointing out. Right? And he's saying, based on that, realize that ultimately, God is your source. If you find yourself in a position where you have more than you need, it is so that those that don't have, will have. That those that don't have, will have. Amen. Is this short exegesis of Exodus, does it make sense? Does it make sense? Thumbs up. We're about to go back to 2 Corinthians, but does it make sense? All right. All right. All right. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear that. So we've talked about bread. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians. Um, we'll soon be rounding up. 2 Corinthians 8. All right. I'm glad to hear it does. I'm glad to hear it does. So Paul says, as it is written, he who had gathered much had nothing left over, and he who gathered little had no lack, because God supplied to both. And it's, it goes on, it says, but thanks be to God who puts the same earnest care for you into the heart of Titus. Again, this is because Titus is about to come to gather the money. It says, for he not only accepted the exhortation, but being more diligent, he went to you of his own accord. And we have sent with him the brother whose praise is in the gospel throughout all the churches. So Paul is going, he's talking about admin stuff now. He's saying, okay, thank God for Titus, right? This is someone who, again, was willing to serve. It's amazing how th that idea of doing things willingly is such a big part of Christianity, whether it's in service, whether it's in generosity, doing it willingly. And he says, I'm sending with him the brother whose praise is in the gospel. There's this brother that everyone is like, oh, um, he's doing so well. He's coming along. He says, not only that, he was chosen by the churches to travel with us with this gift, which is administered by us to the glory of the Lord himself and to show your ready mind. Verse 20, avoiding this, that anyone should blame us in this lavish gift, which is administered by us. Again, Paul is talking administrative stuff. And he's saying that we are, we are collecting this money in a way that no one will blame us for this gift. It says providing honorable things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but in the sight of men. And I love this. Not maybe not many people here. I don't think anyone here owns a church, right? But just as a way of life, this is a very, very valid point that we should conduct ourselves in a way that is right, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. And what does that mean? Because think about it. If it was just in the sight of the Lord, I mean, it's just a matter of the heart. Paul could have come, collected the money, and take it to Jerusalem. But how would people know that Paul didn't get some of it. How would people know that the money that was given is the money that was received, right? This is a, it's a very big teaching on accountability and transparency, especially as far as com church communities run themselves. That we want to do things in a way that not only God knows that we're doing the right thing, but people would look at the way we've handled these resources and they'll say, oh, I know that the money I give did not enter anybody's pocket. Even in your own life, there are things that, okay, yeah, you say, in the sight of God, God sees my heart. It is right. But then, if the public should hear, it might 
tarnish the image of God. I should be honorable not just in the sight of God, but also in the sight of man. Also in the sight of man. Oh, if I if I say this, if I do this, God sees my heart. I'm not trying to, but if someone else should hear me or see me, then it's it, it, it can it can it can bring reproach on the gospel. And Paul says, because of that, it's let Titus come. Let the brother that they are sending, let, if, you, if you have anyone to send, send him as well. It's the equivalent of what many churches do today, which is at the end of the year, maybe they would share the audits with the members of the church that this is how much we received. This is what we did, right? They could have, might as well have said, oh, God sees our hearts. We're doing, we're doing, we're not stealing your money. You can see the new speakers. You can see the new venues. He says, no, to the last penny, we'll audit and we'll share it. Why? So that we're honorable, not just in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. Whatever that looks like for you, right? As a, as a student, as a worker, whatever that looks like, live a life that is honorable, not just in the sight of the Lord. Say, oh, God, I'm living for God. I'm living for the audience of one. Paul says, mm, maybe not. <laughs> yes, you are living for the audience of one, but there are other people <laughs> in the, that are watching as well. Consider consider that. Why? Not to be a people pleaser, but for the sake of the gospel. That nothing I do will bring, directly or indirectly, tarnish the image of God. And it says, verse 22, we have sent with them our brother, whom we have often proved diligent in many things, but now much more diligent because of the great confidence we have in you. Same thing. We're sending even yet another person. And then finally, it says, if anyone inquires about Titus, He's my partner and fellow worker concerning you. Or if our brethren are inquired about, they are messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. Therefore, show to them and before the churches the proof of your love and of our boasting on your behalf. And so Paul is pretty much just describing how is this collection going to work? I'm sending Titus. I'm sending a brother that the church has recommended. I'm sending another brother that has proven himself. All of this is so that it remains accountable, it remains transparent, and the name of God is not, is not blasphemed. It's not blasphemed. And so another point on Christian generosity is it ought to be, well, this is more administrative now as far as church leadership is concerned. But if you find yourself managing the resources of others, be transparent. Don't give room for assumptions. Don't let it be, oh, what are they even using? Let them know what is how it's been handled take steps to ensure in your own life that they would not accuse it's, it's why you would hear for instance you, many reputable people say i can't have a female peer is it because in itself having a female peer is bad no but i want to be honorable in the sight of god and in the sight of men i'm not going to take a meeting close doors just me why or I'm not going to travel anywhere without my wife, like Peter, right? I said, everywhere I'm going, my wife must come. Why? To be honorable in the sight of God and in the sight of men. And so there are some things you can ask yourself, oh, but God sees my heart. But men don't. Ah, but this dress, I, I'm not doing it to show, but men don't. Oh, this place that I'm going, but men don't. <laughs> and to think about that, 
when next you're making decisions. It's not only what, what does God feel, but how can this impact the name of the gospel? Let it be a factor. All right? Uncharacteristically, and I, I decided to do that today, we're going to pause here. I don't want to start chapter 9. And I think I want you guys to also take out time and read Exodus 16 again. Maybe listen to this teaching again. I think that was the heart of what I wanted to get at. But just living in a way, whatever it looked like for Israel and bread, think about what that looks like for you and your life, your choices, your pursuits. Think about all we've spoken about. Do, do you really acknowledge God as your source? Or has ambition, has the fear of scarcity, has it driven you away from God? Are you as content as you should be? Or do you want to show them or like we started today? Are there people that want to show that started from the bottom? Now we are here. Now we get down. <laughs> Think about what that looks like. Think about decisions you've made that if you were content, maybe you wouldn't have made those decisions. That you can be honest with yourself that it's not God that drove me here. It is, I remember I was talking to my mom um, <laughs> and she was telling me of a friend that works a nine to five, I think it's a tech job. I think it was ending six figures. Found another job. I think he's a single person. Um, <laughs> so now he works even like he didn't tell either of both jobs just so that he can have more money at the expense of everything else. And she was like, ah, that he's smart or he's a sharp guy. And I'm like, are you really sure that's the only way we can see that? <laughs> and there are more productive things he can. And again, like I said, it differs for everyone. I'm just saying like, just because the outcome is more money, does that always mean it is the right step? Just because you got more bread, does that mean that what you did was right? If you had gathered the five omas for your family, you would have had the rest, you, the time you were gathering seven, pursuing scarcity. Maybe you could have done something better with that time. And she's like, ah, Daniel, maybe you should check it out. <laughs> I don't have that time. I'll now be working two full-time jobs and I'll still be still still be pursuing. It's not possible. How will I do it? How will I do it? All right. Um, just something to think about. Just something to think about. Read I, that's your assignment. Find time this week. Reread Exodus 16. Where the scriptures are cleared, it will pin you. Like I said, it's it, me too. Whenever I read, if we have what we can eat and what we can drink, we will be content. <laughs> God, it would be nice to have what I can eat for today and tomorrow. <laughs> but God expects us to live with that daily trust, that confidence in his abundance. So that's your assignment for this week. What does it mean for me, me and me, Wally, to live trusting in God's abundance and not my effort? What does it mean to live a life of contentment? What does it mean to not, like First Timothy says, live with the, in quotes, desire to be rich or the love of money? 
what does that mean for me? What does that mean for me? How can I honor God in the Sabbath? What does that mean for me? What are, what are the structures I can set in place that reminds me of my priorities? Amen? Amen. God be with you as you do that assignment. All right. I'm giving you guys 10 minutes extra. Any questions before we wrap up for today? Any questions? Everyone is somber. We have stuff to think about. Don't we? All right. I would, I would, I would, I would, I would respect that. <laughs> Our question askers are not in the building today. <laughs> They're probably going to catch up with this. So with that said, I'll pray. Would share the benediction and then we call it a day. Dear Lord, thank you for your word today. Thank you because it is indeed a mirror to our souls. And every time we come in contact with your word, we are challenged, we are instructed, we are reminded of what truth is. I pray that you, by your spirit, as we find time this week to think, to meditate on your word, open our, area, our hearts to areas that we can be a bit more generous. We can be a bit more trusting. Maybe we can be, for some, we can be a bit less lazy. And for others, maybe we can be a bit more content. Whatever that looks like for every single one of us, I pray that at the end of the day, our priority remains your priorities. And that we would not follow the world on an endless cycle, gathering bread for the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. All right, let's share the benediction, and then we call it a day. Uh, I believe you can see my screen. So graciously prepared to us by Bukianaya. Um, feel free to unmute yourself. Let's read together. One, two, go. I am a diligent student and doer of the word, I'm a teacher of the word. The word is profitable for my growth. By the word, I am corrected. By the word, I am trained in righteousness. And in the word, my spirit rejoices. Glory to God. I think I've made you guys too sad. I apologize. Um, <laughs> we can't even read benediction again. Um, it's good. Let the word all right um take out time this week really take out time this week to think on these things and prayerfully course correct amen amen that said i would see you all next week happy new month in advance tell a friend if this blessed you bye <laughs> all right now we've come to the end of today's episode and I hoped that it blessed you in many more ways than one. And if it did, I want you to do a couple things for me. The first thing is I want you to take out some time to pray and to meditate over the things you've learned in today's teaching. 
and to see how you can begin to apply it to your life starting from this week because it's important we remember we're not just to be hearers but doers of the word as well the second thing i would appreciate is to think about someone you can send this to if this teaching has blessed you then pass it on to a friend to a co-worker to someone you know who needs to hear this and finally don't forget to leave a like subscribe leave a comment if you're feeling up to it and i'll catch you in the next episode god bless you bye